We're back for another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. The crew is back. Michigan's coaching staff is near complete. And already we can see a recruiting theme to some of these hires, a boost in recruiting prowess. I don't think there's any question that we are going to see from a relationship-building standpoint, uh, a pipeline area standpoint, that this staff, and obviously a youth movement standpoint, that this staff will be a net gain as far as a recruiting staff is concerned. But to discuss that and more with me from the Michigan Insider, of course, going over to Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you this week? Good. Busy again, finally. (laughs) So good to be a... Good to have stuff to do right. on a consistent basis. I mean, right the, now. how hard is it to come up with recruiting stories when the coaches? I mean, could could they really recruit? Could they really extend offers when uh, many of them, especially on the defensive side of the ball, didn't know if they were going to be here or not? It did make it exceedingly difficult. I know the other member of the crew can attest to that. Bryce Marriage. Bryce, how are you this week? Doing good. What's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, man. Finally, like Steve said. We have some recruits, some offers, and a lot of offers to talk about. But before we get into talking about some of the defensive guys, let's talk about a guy we knew it was coming. Uh, you know, I think I explained on the last podcast, first heard about Mike Hart uh, potentially coming back before Christmas. And that's around the time we began mentioning his name and sort of letting people know that any notion they had about a, an impasse between Mike and Jim that, that is long since blown over that they had talked about Mike joining the staff back in 2017. Didn't work out at that time, but the timing was right now. And now Mike steps into this fold, and it's different for him, as you guys can – it's obvious that it's different for him. He, these hidden gems that he had to find at Eastern, like Ian Erickson and some of the guys he had back-to-back, you know, offensive freshman of the year at Western Michigan. And then, of course, Stevie Scott at Indiana, a guy that – most power fives are looking at as a linebacker. Mike saw him and said, tailback, this guy can be a big time tailback. But all of those are like hidden gems. You step into Michigan, Bryce, and I've seen as you've been making the rounds, making the calls, and you too, Steve, I mean, he is not looking at the hidden gems <laughs> out the gate, right? He's looking at the biggest fish in the pond. Yeah, he's he's not uh he's not looking for like you said, that small fish. He's going for the biggest and the baddest and so far, one of the first kids he hit up was 2022 five-star running back Gavin uh, Sechuk. Um, he's from Littleton, Colorado, Valor Christian. It's a high school probably some are familiar with. That's Dylan McCaffrey's high school. And so I talked with uh, his dad, and he said, listen, you know, Mike, he hit up uh, Gavin, and he talked for him for about 30 to 45 minutes and just started building that uh, conversation. He said after that, he made it clear, I want to talk to the parents, too. I want to talk to you know him. I want to. He wants to talk to my wife. He wants to get to know the family. But just first impression, they really like him. He's really um, energetic. He's passionate about the program, which is obvious. And he likes so far what he's selling. You know, he said most of these schools sometimes the coaches once they leave and a new coach comes in, they don't really hit up the recruits for whatever reason. He said that was not the case with Mike. He said Mike came in first things first, hit up the five star got that done, and he's going to keep that communication going. So there's several other kids he's hit up as well, but I would say that's so far the top can. I mean, he's the number 23 overall prospect in the 2022 class. So like you said, Sam, he's uh, he's aiming for, you know, the stars. That's what you're supposed to do, though, right, Steve? You step into a place, a platform like Michigan. You're, you get into all of these doors, and 
you know, the hope, at least my hope, cover from a coverage standpoint, is that we are able to cover a lot more big time recruitments. That you know, it's not it's not like Michigan hasn't gotten involved in these, but you know, if they sense that man, this is just not. We aren't hearing a, a great deal of reciprocity off the off the jump or at the top. Then they have they've had a tendency that we aren't going to spend time trying to build this up. But I think with this staff, even if they jump into a a recruitment and they aren't getting immediate like, man, we love Michigan. I think this is the kind of staff that can that can build that kind of you know grow into that kind of response through building relationships. But the thing with, with Sawchuck that's different, though, and you can speak to this, they had, they were like his first offer, weren't they, weren't they Steve? They were already they were on him. Literally his first offer. And so with Mike Hart, it's like you know that Mike Hart at Michigan is going to make a really compelling case to kids for them to come to Michigan. I mean, you know, this isn't just hiring an alum for the sake of having an alum on staff. I mean, he's worked his way up the ladder. He's proven he's a good running backs coach. But add in – you know, we know more than anybody with a passion Mike Hart has and had for Michigan as a player. Kind of feels like that at some point he was going to end up at Michigan just someday. What well, you know, whether it had been now, a little bit down the road, just felt like inevitable in some capacity that, you know, because I think he's always worn his passion for the university on his sleeve. So add all that up uh, together, no reason not to be going after, especially a kid like Sawchuck. Like you said, Michigan was the first scholarship offer for him. Seems pretty wide open. I don't think, you know, I've heard Oklahoma has been mentioned a little bit. I think Oregon also a little bit also, uh, but you know, Michigan's been right there and yeah, to pick up the phone, get get him on the horn right away. And his family uh, again, Mike Hart's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see what he can do as a recruiter here, just because, you know, it's going to be real true passion about Michigan and what they can offer these kids. And um, you know, that's where his hire is unique in such a good way because it's, it's not just sort of a big name recruiter coming in and, and, and pitching the Michigan program. I mean, this is a guy who's been there, loves it to death, you know, and so it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I, it, it, I'm just like, you know, the rest of the people on the site, you know, I'm obviously following it along from a coverage standpoint, but I see, uh, you know, the, the stories that you guys get in on. And, and I think, what are you guys wrote the headline another day, another top running back that Mike Hart, <laughs> Is on the line with which one of you guys did that one? That was me. That was me. Top 24 7. Um, uh, running back George Petaway, which is another guy, uh, Jay Harbaugh got in really early with and offered, and he really liked. But Mike hit him up. He f- had a good FaceTime with him. And like I said, it just seems like day after day, you're just seeing more names pop up. And like you said, Sam, these are top guys. He's not aiming for the low you know, three stars, two stars. He's going to go for these top guys and he knows he can develop them at Michigan. So like Steve said, he's got that passion. And a other good point you brought up, Sam, was this staff already is showing they're willing to fight for these kids and they're willing to go after the best. They're not afraid for those recruitments of the Alabama, Clemson's, Ohio State's, all these big programs. They're going to go into those knowing, hey, it's going to be a tussle. It's going to be a battle to the very end, but we're willing to fight it out for those kids. Yeah, I think you... With the the youth movement, let's call it the youth movement that is underway with this staff. I think the stamina, the stamina for for that kind of fight, um, and the tolerance for it. Look, man, we we know. I I can only imagine how frustrating it is to be recruiting a kid and he goes from a top twenty five to to a top thirteen, right? <laughs> you know, you're 
you're getting that kind of feedback. It's like, man, am I wasting my time? Am I running in place? Uh, and I think maybe some of the younger guys have more more stamina for that kind of thing uh, and are, are going to be willing to say, hey, it may look – it may not look like a, a sure thing right now or close to it, uh, but stay the course, and we're going to be there in the end. It, cast the net wide enough, uh, you know, be persistent enough, be able to take advantage of, of maybe some recruiting relationships that will help you know where you stand, and that was always a thing for me. That's that's so key and maybe missing in some respects. I just felt like in some recruitments that they didn't have a real good idea of where they stood. And and that's a reflection on, upon uh, relationships or lack thereof. To, to not have someone around the recruitment that can call them up and be like, hey, hey, guys, you know, so-and-so is making a move. This is the issue. Like they had, for instance, with Ron Bellamy at West Bloomfield with with Donovan Edwards or Makari Page. Like, he, he could always tell them, this is what's going on with with my guys. And so I think that with this staff, and tell me what you guys think about this before we start talking about other guys uh, individually that have joined the staff. I think Michigan will be missing an opportunity if they don't adopt more of an area recruiting philosophy or, you know, put more of that in the equation. And take advantage of a of a mo linguist who we're going to talk about coming up in Texas and Georgia, and not just on not just on DBs, but being that guy is connected down there, or a Mike Hart in the state of Michigan, just period. Not just on running backs, you know, in the state of Michigan, in New York, to the extent that you want to recruit New York, you know, Indiana, which obviously his pro career and coaching career. There, I mean, there are some, there are some, you know, relationship or pipeline type of scenarios that, to me, Steve, and I'm curious what you think about it. That they were Brian Jean Marie down in Florida. Forget just linebackers, just he was instrumental down the stretch in keeping Jaden McBurrows in the fold because of his relationships down there. I think it would really behoove Michigan to take, you know, more advantage of that as part of their recruiting philosophy from the onset. Yeah. It feels like it's always been like, just like constantly shifting. There's really been no consistency in really kind of the overall game plan. You know, it's like you had guys recruiting different positions in different areas. You know, there's nothing really defined, you know, and now it, I think part of the benefit. Yeah. Is that the guys they have hired do seem to have experience in some of the more talent rich areas in the country. I mean, we're already seeing it with linguists. I mean, I so say he's probably offering a kid right now uh, <laughs> as we're recording. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he's offered, uh, that's why I said uh, on the board this morning, there's six, four or five star corners in the state of Texas for 22. None of them had offers from Michigan 36 hours ago. Now four of them do. And I wouldn't be surprised if the other two get a phone call from Michigan sometime in the next few days as well. Right. So uh, yeah, got to play to your strengths, you know? And like, I think I agree in that. I don't think a lot of the time Michigan was, it felt like, and maybe this will be another benefit of what looks like a more deep staff from a recruiting standpoint, felt like there was a, a few guys kind of having to fill in a lot of gaps yeah. over a wide area, yep. you know, and, and now I think you have a much more, uh, much deeper group of guys that are willing to go in and grind, um, but also ones that, yeah, that have what look like deep, really uh, long-term defined like geographic areas that they can hit. Um, you know, and good thing for Michigan, they are there. You know, Texas is an area 
you know, we know it looks like Texas A&M is, is building something under Jimbo Fisher and, and Sark is going to get a lot of hype as a new guy at Texas, but there's enough in Texas to go around mm-hmm. for Michigan to be much more aggressive there and pull out a few guys each cycle. Yeah. And you know, I, I, look, you know, positional recruiting is a part of a huge part of what every staff does. I just think for, for them, for them, the order of it, the order of it to, to really at, at the onset of the recruiting process uh, to really drop, guys with area relationships into areas to maybe sort it out for the, the, the position coaches to come in after that. And then they can double two. Cause I mean, I, I can remember at some points in recent years where you'd have three Michigan coaches over at St. Francis, for instance, and like to say that it, they'd be like one guy coming into St. Francis and the next guy going to the St. Francis the next day. I'm like, man, they got three, three coaches all around at the same time, so to speak in the same uh, sort of window, uh, you know. So it it to to me, just with what they have coming on, and this is a nice segue over into Mo Linguist, you know, Dallas Cowboys cornerbacks coach uh, last year. Before that, at at A and M for a couple of seasons, where he had just an impressive haul of talent. But I'm still most impressed by what he did at Minnesota. This is a proven. Big time recruiter, big time recruiter. Every coach I talk to, Simon, this guy gets it done on the recruiting trail. And you know, I know you've talked to a couple of guys already, Bryce, who man weren't thinking about Michigan. Suddenly, you got guys talking about maybe delaying their announcements because Mo Linguist offered him, offered him, and you know he's the new co DC at the University of Michigan. It's it's crazy how one coach can flip the script in terms of, like Steve said, in one of the most rich and talented um, states of high school football there is in the state of Texas. And Mo, Coach Mo has certainly done that. The kid you're referring to, Sam, is a four-star cornerback, Bobby Taylor. And he's a kid who's got ties to the University of Notre Dame with his dad having played there. So you would think – big-time guy. Big-time guy at Notre Dame. A little past my time, (laughs) FYI. But, yes, big time. And so he's got – regardless of that, he's actually got a lot of – Crystal Ball's uh, predictions for Texas A&M. So you think, man, it's going to be tough pulling a kid from the home, you know, hometown team away. But he offered him and instantly the kid told me, he said, listen, I I got a decision date of February 24th. I'm not sure anymore if I want to make a decision by then because I want to know what Coach Moe's got cooking up there. And, you know, Ann Arbor and several other guys have told me, listen, his message has been clear that he's trying to bring a lot of talent from the state of Texas up to Michigan. And so I would say most of these kids are telling me their relationship has started when he was coaching at Texas A&M. They followed him just because he was with the Dallas Cowboys. And so those prior relationships are leading to so far success in terms of just interest, you know, because a kid from Texas in terms of climate and distance and just familiarity with the school, they're not going to know all that kind of stuff with, Michigan, but just Mo's presence alone, Coach Mo's presence alone, is making him willing to want to take a visit, want to see what's out there, and see the type of defense. And it really helps too because he's selling to them, "Hey, not only am I the corners coach, I'm the DC code DC as well." So that's really intriguing, appealing to them as well. Yeah, and he's a I can't stress enough, big time relationship guy, and I really focus a lot. I have on the site. Uh, you know, I have on, you know, my morning show on TKA, 
the recruitment of Rashad Bateman. Uh, and I mean, it was it was what was mentioned to me when I was asking coaches about Mo Linguist. They said, "Man, he got Rashad Bateman up to Minnesota." And if you go back and you look at the recruitment, obviously we know him at Minnesota, Big Ten receiver of the year, right? He was a big timer, projected first rounder. He's from Georgia, not Atlanta. You know, they, you know, I think it's like mid, mid or South Georgia, uh, on the outskirts, country, you know, rural uh, kind of setting, kind of like when we were talking about with. With uh, with with Otis Reese and and um, and and Solomon, uh, you know that back down in that neck of the woods. Anyway, when Minnesota got on him, he hadn't blown up yet. But you know, you have linguist who had been a coach at Valdosta State, which is South Georgia, and had some connections down there. Found out about this guy, got on him from Minnesota. Boom, gets a commitment. He blows up. I mean, the dude absolutely blows up, blows up to the point where everyone in the SEC wants him. And looking back at some of the articles, P.J. Fleck is like, there's no way we're going to be able to hold on to this guy. Georgia wants him. Florida wants him. Bama's around. These SECs, there's no way we're going to be able to keep this guy in the fold. And on the strength of the relationship that Linguist built with him, Steve, he was able to keep that commitment to get Rashad Bateman up to Minnesota. So when – when people say, and we got this on the board, I got this on Twitter. When I, you know, I listed all the guys that he got uh, at Texas A and M out of Texas, I well, yeah, it's easy to get those guys at A and M. I won't say it's easy, but I get it. It's easier. But how's he going to get those guys up north to Michigan? It's like, man, he got Rashad Bateman to Minnesota. If you can do that, if you can get a guy from Georgia up to Minnesota, you ought to be able to get a few guys to come from down south up to Michigan. Responsible for eight commitments in Minnesota's 2017 class. Responsible for 10 commitments in Texas A&M's 2018 class. And then was the 19th ranked recruiter nationally in the 2019 class at Texas A&M. So guy who can close, right? Obviously a relationship builder. And we're seeing that with the offers. Guys that he actually had connected with really early on at Texas A&M. He knew right away to get on the phone and get these guys back on the horn and, and let them know he's at Michigan and that uh, that he hadn't forgotten about them. You know, and I think a couple of Bryce's reactions, it, that, that really resonated with a couple of guys, you know, as far as, you know, I already had a good relationship with him. I like what he had to offer, whatever, you know, I'm really going to consider Michigan now. So, yeah, I mean, from, just from a recruiting standpoint, A-plus hire, it's, it's got to be, you know, and it's, it's uh, sorely needed. I think uh, is really the best way to put it. It's as I posted on the board yesterday, the aggressiveness right off the get go has been very refreshing. Um, and if you're a Michigan fan, it should be refreshing as well, because it is, I mean, we've barely been able to keep up, uh, right. which is great. That's what we want. At least, you know, or that you want as a Michigan fan to, uh, to know that they're putting in the effort. That's like, I can't believe a kid like Denver, um, the kid, the five-star, uh, Denver Harris. Denver Harris. Yeah, I was going to say Denver Warren, which is actually what I accidentally said earlier on the board. Right. right. And uh, but Denver, you know, Denver Harris, that kid should have had a Michigan offer like six months ago, seven months ago. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So no, it is. It's been really refreshing to see yeah. a new aggressive approach, and and he's kind of been the guy, at least so far, that spearheaded it. For yeah, them. I mean, it's a great. Uh, you mentioned Denver Harris. A guy that he had a relationship with and his and had an aside, not just with the kid, but is really, really uh, good with the mom already too. And so, you know, Michigan, they're gonna get sniffed there, and that's the that's the thing that these relationships are gonna open the door for. You know, take a swing 
you know, drop him in. I know we're talking a lot about DBs right now, but I'm man, I'm letting him take a swing at, at anyone down in that air, that area, and especially when you throw in that you still have Brian Jean Marie around, who is really, really connected in in Texas. There's enough talent in Texas. This is a great point, Steve. This is a crucial point. There is enough talent in Texas where time spent, you should still be able to get a good a guy or two, and guys that can play. I mean, and you have resources down there that are connected to players. I mean, David Underwood is a trainer down there, a former Michigan player. Brandon Williams is a seven-on-seven coach down there, a former Michigan player. You have guys that can not, you know, put you on the trail, give you information, and then you have also have coaches now with with ties down there that it makes sense to spend more time in Texas with the guys that have connections down there. So I really, 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 really hope that that's one of the things that Michigan does here. While also, again, still having that that positional focus, which you had to do with a guy like, and this is crucial in his recruitment, Will Johnson. It says something, and I know it said something to you guys, too, that before Jim Harbaugh signed that extension, and we talked about this on the podcast, he was on the phone with Will Johnson saying, look, slow down, pump the brakes, I'm going to be signing my extension. And once I sign my extension, I have some exciting things Coming ahead, coming ahead from the from a hiring standpoint is really going to get your attention. So I think I think Bryce, I know you got in contact with Will too, where he said, "Hey, he got in contact with his wife, told her he had the job, and then the next two attempts, it was like, "Hey, someone give me in contact with Will Johnson. Someone give me in contact with Damani Jackson." Now, you know, Will he was able to make that connection, get on the phone with both Will and his dad, and immediately, immediately, the impression. That he gave, and you can speak to Bryce shortly. The impression that he made on Will, but immediately I know in talking to his dad, Dion, he said, "Look, what I'm feeling with linguist is that is so much more than just what he can, what Will can do on the football field." He said, "What I'm picking up from him so far is that it's a relationship for life. That he is saying that once." We, be, we get this coach-player relationship. We're family. So whether you are going to the NFL or you are going in, in you know, some private sector somewhere, I'm going to do whatever I can to support you. He said he just wrote a letter of recommendation for one of his former players, not for the NFL, but some private sector job that he was going into. And that really, really resonated with Dion. And it sounds like he made a – as a matter of fact, I know he did, but you got this this too from Will when you talked to him, Bryce, that it really resonated with Will as well. Yeah, no, um, like you said, I mean, he hit up his wife, hit up Will, and he hit up Domani. He made sure. He's like, hey, these are the two guys I have to get or have to at least try my best to get it. And, uh, you know, for Will, I think when I talked to him at the um, National Evaluation Camp presented by Sound Mind, Sound Body over the weekend was – you know, he he had a couple names he had been hearing, Archie Collins and Clingsdale, yeah. of just, you know, possibilities of who could get hired. And so Michigan did. I, Michigan did get it. They did. Cont- Jim did kick those tires again. So that, that was legit for him to hear that. So, you know, once Linksquist, um got the job, I was kind of curious, you know, because he didn't mention one, his name, obviously, to me, kind of was his reaction to it. You know, like, how is he going to feel about him now getting this co-DC um, corners back job. And he told me simply like, listen, I talked to him and he flat out impressed me. 
He's like, I loved his mentality, his experience, his knowledge he brings, you know, to the field and off the field. And he just seems like a personal guy and flat out told me, you are our number one priority in this class and you're going to help us bring Michigan back to a national powerhouse. And that's kind of the message he's been sending to him, to all these other recruits of, listen, we need to get this train going. We need to get in the right direction. And you are the type of kid we need in this program to help succeed. Right. So, Cause make no mistake. I, I know I alluded to this on the board. I, maybe I didn't say it explicitly, but I know you guys are picking up on this too. I you know Ohio state leader. Ohio state was, was leading this race when, when Jim sensing that jumped in, was like, look, slow down. Cause the kid, I mean, Will was telling me he was, he was moving toward trying to make a decision at the end of the month. That's how, and you know, he wanted to see a few more things. One of the things he wanted to see was who did Michigan hire? And if they hired someone that he had a relationship with or he felt he could form a relationship with, that was something that could get him to pump the brakes uh, even more. And I think with Linguist, they have accomplished that. I think great first impression he made on Will, great first impression he made on Dion and his interactions with them. And another really important point was the relationship that he has with Jordan Lewis. And so it is of vital importance in this recruitment in order to sort of bridge the relationship gap as far as time is concerned is to have someone that can really vouch for him coming in the door because they didn't know linguists. They were really impressed, but it helps even more if a guy like JD can come in and say, that's my guy. He will take care of you. Will, you should go play for him. And that was what JD offered for, for linguists. And that's not a given. I mean, I don't, you know, JD isn't the type that's going to be out. Uh, you know, he is not going to be out necessarily. You know, saying ah, you know, you know, screw Michigan. But would he would he go out there and vouch for, you know, say put his name on every guy, put his name on every coach, and say yeah, go play for him? I don't think JD, and that's not something that he would do unless he was really sincere about it, really sincere about it. He wouldn't do it just because it's Michigan. Like you know, that that guy's coaching for Michigan, so yeah, go play for him. He wouldn't do that. So for him to do it for linguist is huge. I can't tell you how huge it is. And that's exactly what, what Dion said. And I think it's going to be huge, not just for Will, but for, for other recruits, Steve, because I mean, there's, it's hard when you don't have universally former players saying, yeah, 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 this is what you should do. If you got you know players saying, ah, I wouldn't put my name on that, just do what's best for you. You know, that's that's a tough thing to overcome sometimes. Uh, fortunately for them, they won't have to overcome it in this instance. I was going to say, there's no way in hell that Jordan Lewis is going to give a fake endorsement right. um, on a guy. Like, not a chance. So getting that positive reinforcement from him is legitimately – that's not your normal guy that is going to just – you know, that was the first thing I thought, too, was like, uh, he must actually like him because he, he either wouldn't he would have either not picked up the phone or just you know he's a, he's one of the most you know straight up um, level headed guys you know that I've I've ever covered so um, to get that endorsement yeah it's, obviously it's it's massive and you know I know Ohio State has been trending there or whatever um, they always kind of seem to be that I mean they're they've recruited really well but they always kind of seem to be a hot name around this time mm-hmm. of the cycle every year for whatever reason. Um, but it, with with Will, it just has always felt like he's like waiting for the right thing to click with Michigan, you know. And and the fact that that he, you know, openly 
wanted to wait to see who they were going to hire to me says a lot in itself. You know, there's no other. And of course it's a lot of that is, you know, his dad's connection to the program and all that stuff. But, you know, again, I, I just, as pessimistic as things may have looked or whatever, just from a, a macro standpoint, because you guys on the micro level have done an awesome job covering this recruitment uh, from my standpoint, it just seems like this is one where Michigan which is still at the end of the day is still going to have a very, very good shot at because he seems to want to be almost looking for a reason to, to go with Michigan maybe uh, over these other programs. You know, so, it's, it's Steve, I mean, I, it's, it's such, uh, it is a very, very, I, I think, um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you have peeled back the onion, so to speak, and, and kind of seen inside his head because he told me, because, you know, it, part of the pumping of the brakes is or was uh, not just Jim making a call and them, uh, you know, wanting to see who, you know, Will wanting to see who they hired. Another part of the pumping the brakes was Dion telling Will, I want to take you to see other schools. I mean, we made it out west, but I need to get you down south. I need to get you to maybe some other Midwest schools. And then maybe in a couple of months, if you, once you've seen everything, you know, maybe then you'll be ready to make a decision. <laughs> and Will sort of said to me, he said, man, <laughs> he said, that's not about going to see other schools. He said, my dad just wants me to go to Michigan. He said, he said, this is all about, this is all about him, you know, buying some time. So, you know, Michigan can get some things together. So I, so I go to Michigan and he said, and he said, I get it. He said, you know, he loves Michigan. He He wants to see me go there. If it's the right place for me, like he's not going to make me do it, but that's what he wants. And, you know, do I think there's a little some of that in there? Sure, I also think that he would he's going to support Will wherever he wants to go. But make no mistake, he wants to see his son following his footsteps and wear that uniform. And I think I'm like you, Steve. I think they have a much better chance of doing that, of, of getting that done. Now, I do think that there's still some work to do. Uh, you know, I do think that Ohio State probably still has a slight lead. But I didn't switch my crystal ball for a reason and I don't know. I don't know if you guys have explained how you do your crystal balls. And this is a, maybe a, a time to give a bit of a refresher here, really quickly. But for me, I won't put a crystal ball on a guy unless I at least have a confidence level of six. That makes me feel like that's me saying I don't think that this guy's, you know, his his leaning is going to change on a whim. It's going to take something significant for him to go the other direction. So if you see it lower than six, then that's something's changed for me to make it that low which is what happened with Will. I started out with a crystal ball of seven, and that was coming from Will. That came right from him, <laughs> you know. When I put my crystal ball in on him, I was like, hey, he was like, yeah, it's crystal ball time. Boom, right? So made that call. Then when things started going the other way, I lowered it dramatically, but didn't quite go to Ohio State yet, even though I lowered it down to two or one or wherever it is now, because I wanted to wait to see his reaction to who Michigan hired. So I'm still in that one to two range. I don't want to be flip-flopping with the crystal ball. I think there's a good chance that they could they could move back up because my crystal ball doesn't just reflect leanings. How do you handle your crystal ball, Steve? Yeah, I mean, the so when we did the confidence, the one to ten thing, it was I think it's a good idea in theory, but there's literally no sense in putting one in initially unless you're – you know what I mean? Like – if you're coming in with like a two, right? Like, right exactly. So I'm predicting this. I'm predicting them, but I don't really know if he's going to go there or not. You know, like right. that's what it comes off of. If you, uh, you know, you go lower. I'm the same way. I've never. I don't think I've ever. I maybe put a 
couple in for fives. If it was a kid that maybe it was a kid who I had when in, like if it's not Michigan related, if it's Michigan related, my initial is always a six or a seven. Um, I haven't messed with the confidence downward very often. I probably should. I mean, cause it is there. These recruitments do change, but I definitely in the same ways, like I am not going to do like the back and forth mm-hmm. flipping unless a commitment is imminent. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. we can't help if a kid, all of a sudden it's like we're hearing a kid's going to commit elsewhere. Of course you're going to flip it at that point. And then if the recruitment opens back up again, you got to, you know, but from a, a standard base baseline standpoint, Hey, I'm usually pretty conservative with them. I haven't put a ton of predictions in the last couple cycles, uh, but B yeah, initial is always like a six or a seven or higher. If it is a guy that we're very confident is going to commit and more likely um, an eight or nine or a 10 usually means a commit commitment is a date has been set or, it's imminent in some capacity. Right. But, but yeah, it was like no sense in like starting out at like a one or a two, cause it really doesn't make any sense to put one in initially. So Bryce, how do you do your crystal balls? So basically same as you guys. I mean, I don't feel like then I feel like if you're putting a one or two or even a three, that's basically saying maybe like school leads mm-hmm. not, you know, I mean, nothing else other than that. So for me, I actually haven't put a crystal ball on four. Well, because at the time, if I had to put one in, I would say it's like Ohio state, like a two. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I'm not going to pull in it because, again, a big thing for him, like you said, Sam, is he wants to see who Michigan's going to hire and how he's going to gel with him and how he's going to mesh with him. So I'm going to weigh in it. So I think his leaders are going to go in flows. And so I want to say the only kid I maybe have lowered it for was Drew Kendall. And that's a unique recruitment. It's fair to say. Yeah, That's the only one I would say. I don't know. But, that. Uh, yeah, Kendall and George Rooks. My goodness, man. Yeah. I would say those two, maybe those. I know Kendall for sure is the only one I've lowered my uh, confidence of win. But I, I will say this: the other one thing I want to point out with Will is he told me he also has talked with Mike McDonald, and so I don't, I don't think there's a lot of recruits so far, as far as me. Maybe you guys know other recruits that have even talked with Mike McDonald at this point, and so I know that's key. Will told me, listen. He told me the same thing as Linquist. I'm a top priority. And he really gelled with him as well. But it's been Coach Mo. That's been the flavor of the season so far. It's been him. He seems to be working some magic. A lot of kids like him. And like you said, he's going back to his prior relationship. And he knows how to recreate new ones. And so that's key. Anytime you're going into recruiting, and especially when you're going into a new environment like Michigan. All right, so let's pause for the cause here. Come back on the other side, wrap things up talking a little bit about this package deal with Damani and Damani Jackson and whether or not that's still a thing. And then we'll get into a little bit into the, the retention of Sean Nua and Brian Jean-Marie and maybe some transfer portal talk. We'll get into that on the other side. And we're back folks here on the Michigan recruiting insider. And so guys, you know, this package deal talk with, Will Johnson and Damani Jackson has been strong now for months. I get the sense that it's stronger with Damani. I don't know if you picked up, if you guys have picked up on that. Seems like he's pushing it a lot harder. Will, a little bit of, little bit of wavering, some equivocation there when you ask him about it. Like if you watch my video interviews, like ah, it's kind of definite, kind of. I don't know how you could be kind of definite, right? And his dad said only if it's the right thing for both of them. I think no matter what happens, let's say Damani commits to SC, which I have my crystal ball in for that, coming up on the 23rd. I don't think it's over. Uh, if Will were to commit somewhere soon, 
I wouldn't think that was over either. I, I'll, I'll think until these guys sign on the dotted line that they're close enough, they talk enough, their families have gotten to know each other well enough that they'll continue to talk about, hey, maybe we could play together until they sign on the dotted line. So positive for SC if, if you know, he does wind up committing there, but it's also going to be a positive for whatever school Will Johnson commits to uh, if he winds up committing to a, another school. I do not sense Michigan giving up, though, regardless of how it looks. You mentioned, Bryce, that <laughs> – uh, linguist made it a point to try to get in touch with Damani, and wasn't it wasn't successful on day one like it was with with Will Johnson? Couldn't get through. I don't know if Dante Williams was throwing in some interference or what, you know, throwing a jamming signal in there. But you know, no one was connecting the the Jacksons with with linguist. And then last night, finally, it happened. Finally, uh, I know he was able to to connect with uh, with Randy Jackson, uh, Damani's dad. Uh, which was huge uh, to to start just to get it in there and say, hey, I'm going to be a part. I'm going to recruit your son. This is what I'm about. I uh, made a good first impression there. We'll have more on that over on the Michigan Insider. But this is how it typically goes. Isn't that right, Steve? How kids really talk hard package deal. And then when push comes to shove, ultimately they have to do what's best for them. Yeah, I don't, I mean, when was the last real non like high school teammate, like big time package deal that really worked out. Right. I mean, it just, they're few and far between. It's kind of, yeah, it is kind of one of those things that, you know, you take guys at their word when they're talking, right. You can't be like, Oh, well that never works out. I'm not going to print that crap, you know? Uh, But yeah, it's like, it's interesting is depending on what does happen with will. I don't, and it's just, you know, I'm just playing the long-term game here. I don't think that Damani Jackson verbaling to USC is like the worst thing for Michigan really. Um, he seems like a kid who was kind of looking to verbal somewhere pretty early. We know how his visit to Michigan went. Right. I know I talked to one of our guys at our Texas affiliate who I think Texas was out for a little while, but they had, he had given the Texas staff, the former Texas staff, some really strong positive vibes about their eventual chances with him. So seems like a kid who, who uh, has kind of wanted to make a verbal for a while. And, uh, you know, is, is one where none of these other programs Michigan, Ohio State, probably Clemson, like a lot of nobody's going to stop right with that one. Right. So it is a situation where, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, I actually say this. I think it's more from Michigan standpoint, better that he's committing to SC early than being if it was Ohio State, I agree. in my opinion. Right. Ohio State, for whatever reason, really seems to always hang on to these kids that they get early. Um, they rarely have flips or guys that end up elsewhere that they want. So, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst thing there. And, and, um, yeah, with the package deal. So that being said, it's like in a weird way, if you if if I was a betting person, if these two did end up at the same school, not saying they will, I always still weirdly kind of think Michigan would be Me the too. most likely spot for the two of them to end up. And again, do what you want with that. I don't care if you're you know, people will take that and run a mile with it, but that's like in a weird way, it just kind of feels like I don't see you I, I think you guys would agree. I don't see Will Johnson going to USC right? I don't either I I see them I mean look I think he had a great visit I think they are really Dante Williams is an outstanding recruiter yep he's one of the top recruiters in the country and I think one of the things that he really got them with was he was talking about his corner numbers and how he keeps his corner room small so he can be focused on every guy improving him individually and I think that's something I think his message really resonates but I mean just the, the proximity here 
you know, the the you know the familial ties to Michigan. Mom and dad are Michigan alums. He's the top target here. And then the relationship he has with Kerry Combs. Now, I think he has a stronger relationship with Kerry Combs than he does Dante Williams. So, you know, on balance, who, who would he who would he lean to between those two? I think it would be Ohio State. So that's not to say that USC is a non-factor. I think Damani going there would increase the appeal. I, I just think that, you know, to me, I still think that Michigan and Ohio State would have the advantage. I think for Michigan, Ohio State remains the bigger threat. And to your point, Steve, they're better off with Damani Jackson committing to SC than they are Ohio State. Mom is a diehard Ohio State fan. Uh, and I think if he committed to Ohio State, you would have a hard time prying that loose, in my opinion. That's just my opinion on the matter. Uh, so you, you recruit till the bell, uh, which is what Michigan has said they're determined to do with both of these young men, regardless of how things go. I think things are going to go longer with with Will. Damani is obviously set to come off the board here, at least verbally, in a few days, thinking that's going to be SC. Time will tell, of course. But let's Talk, and and the other thing, real quick, uh, about Damani, he's the one guy, he's the one guy who, the you know the departure of Mike Zordich affected tremendously. I don't think it had an effect on Will or any of the other recruitments, but Damani specifically, you know they Zordich was a big part of the appeal for Michigan. The relationship from from Youngstown was a big part of it for them. So that makes the you know the hill a little steeper for linguists to climb. Uh, but it's not it's a hill, it's not a mountain. So I think he's, you know, we'll see how it goes. I think Michigan's gonna continue to have a shot at at Damani, regardless of what happens uh here in a couple of days. Now, the retention of Sean Nua and Brian Jean Marie. Uh, I think that, you know, some of the fans were a bit surprised that that Sean Nua was we've been reporting for over a week that Sean Nua was gonna be back. I think that maybe surprised some of the fans a bit. Uh, Brian Jean-Marie, that was a little bit more in question. You know, they were looking at Christian Robinson and, you know, they were looking at some NFL guys. And we know that his recruiting prowess, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, is already well established. So I think maybe that surprised fans a little bit as well. But that's how these coaching searches go, right? I mean, you know, they have some idea of what they're looking for, what guys can do. Maybe if they were maybe if they were held back and with Brian Jean-Marie, I don't think it had anything to do with ability. I think it had everything to do with McDonald and his comfort level with a linebacker coach in his scheme. And I think once he got comfortable with that, Brian Jean-Marie was was in the fold. But give me your take on on Sean Nua's retention and what that's going to mean on a recruiting trail, Bryce. I think we're going to see a different Sean Nua on the recruiting trail. I don't think we're going to see those typical offers go maybe to the Northeast or some of these kids where – it's fair to say they probably easily could get some of these kids. Even if you wait till the last minute signing day to get some of these kids, I think you're going to see them chase the best of the best. I think you're going to see new offers go out to five-star defense tackles guys that weigh 300 plus. I think you're going to see guys from one of the first offers they offered. So they offered quite a few in Texas. They just offered a kid in Georgia, but the third state they recently offered after completing the defensive staff was in Louisiana. Mm -hmm which is not a state that Michigan is known to really recruit. And the kid they offered, Quincy Wiggins, he's 6'7", 275, and he's only a strong and uh, strong side defensive end. So he's not even defensive tackle. So you can see kind of the recruiting approach they're going to take. They're going to really bulk up the front, maybe not as quick, but they're going to be just bigger and stronger. And I think that type of recruiting philosophy is going to be different. And I think – with Don Brown's defense, you know, some of the guys he was recruiting, targeting, 
maybe didn't fit with what kind what he kind of wanted to go with, you know? And so I think with this new approach, you're going to see guys, he really attacks bigger, stronger, faster. And on top of that, I think they're going to be extremely aggressive in the transfer portal at defensive tackle as well. Yeah, Steve, I I look at it and I I think if I can project, I think that we're going to see Nua try his hand at, at, at more of these, you know, hotly contested high profile recruitments and we'll see what the what the time investment reveals but you know kind of like what we talked about at the beginning of the show you know Michigan would drop an offer on a guy and if it unless it was you know this is clear that this dude is is really super interested I'm talking about def- on the defensive side of the ball you drop an offer on a guy and if he didn't make it seem like he's beating down the door to come to Michigan they're pulling off of that big time guy and investing their time more elsewhere and I just think that you know I, I think that for for Nua and this is just the impression that I get from talking to guys who know him is that he wants to be in more of those recruitments. I think he wants to recruit more 300-plus pounders. Uh, maybe that fits more in this scheme, but I think he's probably a guy that feels like he's going to be able to spread his wings a little bit more on the recruiting trail and and not focus so much on the Northeast. And that's not to, to denigrate or disparage. the Northeast. Michigan has gotten some good players out of the Northeast, but you know it gotten to the point where defensively especially, but if you look at their recruiting class, I mean, think of some of the classes of, of the old days, and, you know, you, you had a certain number of guys for, from Michigan, and then your secondary territory was Ohio and beyond, and, like, the Northeast has replaced Ohio in Michigan sort of recruit, and, and I, I just don't think you're going to see that moving forward. I mean, I think they'll still be in the Northeast some, but I don't think it'll be the Ohio of their sort of recruiting model moving forward. And I think, you know, that's that that fits into what I'm talking about with Sean Newell as well. I think you're going to see him, you know, spend more time in some of these big time recruitments. I think you're going to see him spend more time in the West. I think you're going to see him try to tap into the Polynesian pipeline a little bit more as well. Kind of low hanging fruit, right? Wasn't that sort of the term that I feel like we had discussed that before as far as almost uh, from the top down as far as Michigan's approach with some of these recruits. And and that was one of the interesting things learning about, you know, with Nua where I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe more than any guy that's staying on from the staff last year, I think you're going to see a different, a tangibly different approach on the recruiting trail than what you've seen the last couple cycles. Right. So um, yeah, cause it, it, it I, my biggest thing with Michigan, the last couple cycles or for however long, uh, without being specific, but just felt like there were too many recruitments that where they were sacrificing maybe talent for fit. And also the idea that like, yeah, there weren't a lot of recruitments that they were going out and like earning necessarily. There were some, but there were probably, there were like, feels like there's like four or five verbals every cycle that are guys that, you know, would have committed, would commit on the spot. Almost. And it was almost as if you kind of go back to the low hanging fruit situation. I think you're going to see less of that. And we're already seeing less of it with the offers that linguist is putting out. Um, I think you're going to see it more. And again, this is mostly defensive side of the ball because the offensive side is virtually staying intact. Right. I mean, and I think they've had a concrete plan uh, the last couple of cycles. They've recruited really well offensively, but uh, yeah, it'll be really interesting. You know, the difference. Yeah. that the, the offer to the kid in Louisiana was their first offer in the state of Louisiana for the entire cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan 
has had history in Louisiana. I mean, it's not not recently necessarily, but uh, it's not as if they are strangers to the state of Louisiana. So that was kind of interesting to see that he was the first guy that they'd even offered. Uh, dude, up there, so. Michigan used to kill it in Louisiana. Yeah, no, I, just... <laughs> I mean, not just random guys. I mean, they got the A train, like one of the top running backs in the country out of Louisiana. They got they, James Hall. James Hall was a top recruit out of Louisiana. I mean, Jay Hall is one of the all-time pass rushers. I mean, think about that. And that was when they had David Bowens here from the state of Michigan, who was a, you know, like a five-star. And James Hall still came up from Louisiana. Ron Bellamy, West Bloomfield coach, got him out of Louisiana. Now, LSU was down for right. all of those years. So it should be noted that it's not like kids were staying down in Louisiana as much. But, yeah, Michigan, I mean, Freddie J, Fred Jackson is a Louisiana guy, played it, you know, played college ball down that way, strong reputation down there. So was always able to go down to Louisiana and get players. And that is the value of relationships and why I really hope that Michigan capitalizes on that with, with linguists, capitalize on that with, with Brian Jean-Marie. Brian Jean-Marie in Texas, Brian Jean-Marie in Georgia, Brian Jean-Marie in Florida. He is an outstanding recruiter. And, I mean, we saw flashes of that with Junior Colson and, and Jaden Hood, who I know people were surprised when he signed when he did. I mean, that was a, a phone call to Roger Harriet, you know, the coach at at uh, at Fort Lauderdale St. Thomas Aquinas saying, look, Roger, come on, man. We got to get this done. And that, that's what that was. I mean, that's how relationships work. You know, you get people. And, and knowing Jaden Hood's uncle going back with, with him to get that done, Jaden McBurrows, making some calls down there. Man, when I say Miami was coming strong at the end, Miami was coming strong at the end with Jaden McBurrows. Few phone calls, some relationships helped you help you solidify that. So, uh, you know, my my impression of Brian Jean Marie as a recruiter is not wasn't an opinion that I came to just by happenstance. It's from talking to other coaches. That's how I form my opinions on most coaches. Is you know, talking to what, what do other coaches say? What, what do they think about these guys? And Vance Bedford, you know, former Michigan assistant, uh, you know, Coach Charles Woodson, you know, was defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State and Louisville and 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 what Texas and Chicago Bears defensive backs coach, longtime coach, seen a lot of coaches, knows a lot of coaches, and swears by Brian Jean Marie, not just as a coach. Who he said, I mean, this guy, I mean, he became a coordinator. He really connects with kids, uh, is a really strong X's and O's guy. But as a recruiter, he's one of the two or three best recruiters Van said he's been around in his lengthy career. And that is lofty uh, praise for him that he doesn't spread out easily. So take advantage to me if Michigan is missing an opportunity, if they don't take advantage of those relationship ties. And then also this, Steve, how about this for an idea? I mean, the guys, your strongest relationship builders, and this is a staff that is going to, you know, have a lot of those now all of a sudden. I'm investing in Ohio, even if I don't have Ohio guys on the roster. I mean, Kerry Combs didn't know anyone in Detroit when Ohio State parked him there. And now he is, I mean, they talk about him like he, like he's, you know, from here, which he isn't. So it can be done. It's about the focus. And you can't tell me, man, that it's impossible when Al Washington came in and in a basically overnight had Michigan in the recruitment, you know, for Zach Harrison. I mean, that was, they were legit in it. Now he had a relationship there, 
But my point is, if you have relationship builders, especially proximity-wise with Ohio, you you do at least this. You at least make Ohio State have to work on their home on their home turf, which is what the focus was for Ohio State strategically when they started recruiting Ohio. I don't think they expected to have the kind of success in Michigan that they've had. What they expected was to make Michigan work harder so Michigan wouldn't be as effective as in Ohio as they had become. I think Michigan has to do the same thing, and I think Michigan's going to have enough recruiting resources on this staff, Steve, to, to, be, to be able to deploy a couple of guys in Ohio as a territory. Yeah, because to this, it's, it's almost as if, now I don't want to sound too strong, but not that they've conceded Ohio, but it's, it's definitely, they're not doing what you said, making Ohio State work for some of these guys. I mean, it's to the point now, you know, and what's disappointing in that regard is Michigan, a lot of times, eval-wise, is really ahead of the curve. So they'll get ahead of the curve and offer a guy before they really blow up or before their ranking takes off, but they don't really do anything with it, or they weren't doing anything with it. You know, and so, yeah, I mean, again, that's one of the benefits of having what was going to look like a much younger staff from top to bottom is, you know, half of the battle in recruiting is effort and like passion, you know, and if you can get guys that can resonate and connect with some of these kids, it, it's again, it, it not a gig because Ohio State by and large is going to get most of the guys they want in state right now. That's just the reality of where things are at today. But with a little bit more effort, a little more ingenuity, maybe. Uh, and, and just more, uh, just better recruiters. You know, I think they can maybe do a little bit to, to, yeah, make Ohio State work a little bit harder so that they're not, you know, because right now it's, it is, it's as if Ohio State can just kind of pluck who they want out of there and focus on Texas and Florida and California or wherever else they want to try to get, you know, big time guys to, to pair with their in state kids. So, man, man, yeah. I guess I've seen it too much. I look at, you know, Ron Bellamy is about to play, have his team in the, in the state title game this weekend. And this is a guy from Louisiana. He came up to school at Michigan, of course, but he's not from Detroit. And he went to a Detroit suburb and built a power that kids from this area and parents from this area want to send their kids to because he's a strong relationship builder. And sooner or later, some college coach is going to come grab him. And I keep, I'm telling you, I mean, if, if I'm Michigan, I'm looking hard at that. I'm looking hard at trying to make that happen. Because he is a guy that I think is going to be an outstanding recruiter when he joins a college staff. Because he has done an amazing job. West Bloomfield had been the two playoff, had two playoff appearances before Ron Bellamy got there. And he's stepping into a region where you have some power programs. And he has risen up and for the second time in four years has West Bloomfield in the state title game. And they're the favorite to win. And he's done a tremendous job uh, with that program. But let's round things out, guys. Uh, and switch gears and talk about the transfer portal uh, in this last segment here. We all feel like Michigan has to be super active, right? This is the free agency. This is the dawn of a new era in college recruiting. I think staffs across the country, and you guys tell me if you agree, are going to have to have like a someone dedicated to the portal because this is, this is now your fix. Not only are you going to have to fill holes – from your guys going in the portal. But if you have a weakness on your team, you can look to the portal like you look to free agency and try to fill it. And Michigan has a lot of holes. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be able to go to the portal and get Justin Fields or or Trey Sermon or Baker Mayfield or anybody like that. But there certainly have got to be some upgrades 
in the in the portal, right? They've got to upgrade the size in the in the defensive front. They've got to upgrade, you know, the depth at corner, the depth and competition at corner. There are some spots that they have got to be effective in the transfer portal in. Now there's one guy that I know, Steve, you and Bryce are covering right now on the defensive side of the ball that Michigan has definite interest in. So yeah, so Henry Toe Toe, the Tennessee linebacker, part of the mass exodus going on in Knoxville right now is a guy. So Tim Watts from our Alabama affiliate posted yesterday, Alabama, Michigan, USC, uh, kind of uh, out of the gates are the three schools most mentioned. And then our national reporter, Chris Hummer, also reported something similar, I think added Georgia in the mix there. And then I was also told the same, that Michigan is one of the schools that could be a factor here. I mean, this year, it's an all-American caliber player. I mean, this is this is bigger than any five-star recruit you may get in whatever class you're currently recruiting, right? I mean, this is a game-changing type addition, you know, potentially. So definitely a name to keep an eye on. Michigan, I'd say this, very well-respected at Concord de La Salle, where he played high school football. It's where Devin Asiasi went. If if to, uh, if Henry uh, decides to reach out to the Asiasi family, let's say, uh, he's only going to hear good things about Michigan, their staff, and their program is, you know, Devin Asiasi left the program on about tough. as good a terms as you could have left on as a transfer player. Right. So yeah, that was uh, a great recruiting job by, by Jay Harbaugh, by the yep, way, absolutely. terrific recruiting job. That's one of the better recruiting. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about though. Right. Jay going out West and, and being in the thick of a recruitment that not a lot of people thought Michigan would be in. And here he is on signing day, pulling that kid. Now, of course he transferred, but I think the youth that's his, that's about Jay's recruiting prowess and Jay is an outstanding recruiter. I think people need to get off of this whole – Jay Harbaugh, for years, has been one of the best recruiters on this staff and in this conference. And that people continue to ignore that is ridiculous at this point. Uh, is that's, that's being a hater is what it's being. So it's time to, to – you know, it's time to cancel that, that idea. The dude is a tremendous, tremendous recruiter. And that is an example, Steve – you mentioned in Devin Asiasi, and I know you weren't doing it talking about Jay as a recruiter, but it's it gets back to the theme what we're talking about. We got we see younger guys coming into Michigan now that maybe will have the stamina to be involved for the duration with recruitments like that, and maybe To'o To'o will be like that because I know I talked to Brandon Huffman yesterday. He said, "Man, I got thirteen calls." I bet he did. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet he did. <laughs> I got thirteen calls about. To'o, to'o. Now, another thing that I heard in checking around, asking, talking to different coaches, it sounds like Michigan is looking at one of these uh, Tennessee, you know, one of these guys from Tennessee, Tennessee staff, it might have been their off-field staff, but looking at someone from from that Tennessee staff that was let go, uh, you know, that was broomed out to to come up and, and serve as one of their analysts. So that'll be another another end that Michigan would have with Henry To'o, to'o, if it works out that way. So... And, and you got to believe that this is the recruitment that Sean Newell would be involved in, Bryce, you know, with his ties out there out West. He's got plenty of Polynesian ties. And like you said, he knows how to recruit that side of the country. So he's a guy that you would expect kind of would reach out, have the feelers out, kind of see Gage's interest. And like Steve has said, there already seems to be some sort of um, interest on his end. Toto, Toto, Toto. I don't even <laughs> <laughs> but the kid from Tennessee, exactly. Right, right. So he's the type of kid too, where you just—it doesn't even matter what system, you know. You just take him. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, we this was a jam-packed, jam-packed 
episode, and we are going to be, I think, loaded, loaded for bear from this point out with the offers that are going out left and right. Uh, you know, I think that you know we'll see, we'll see Michigan kind of talk about where they are with their offensive staff, and we'll talk more about that uh, next week as well. As this uh, this recruiting staff that Jim Harbaugh has put together has checked a lot of boxes. I know we didn't talk about George Hilo. But, you know, that's just the guy that we're still learning about ourselves, right? I mean, just haven't heard much about George yet. Uh, but in the coming days, and that'll be a focus on one of our future episodes as we get to know more about George Hilo, Michigan's new safeties coach that came over from Maryland. He was the inside linebackers coach and, and uh, special teams coach there at Colorado State before that. So we'll cover him in a future episode of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Great job as always, guys. Uh, the rest of you, be sure to follow us over on the site, themichiganinsider.com. Can get signed up for a dollar. It doesn't get any cheaper than that to be on the cutting edge of all things that are going on, whether it's staff rumblings or recruiting. We got you covered. Basketball as well. Jarris Walker, Michigan, is a major, major factor for five-star top ten forward Jarris Walker. They're in the top three for that young man right now down at IMG Academy. We'll have more on that as well. Be sure to tune in next time on the Michigan Recruiting Insider.